Revelation chapter 12. We're going to look at the first six verses. Let's do that. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head were a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns uh, on the heads. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days 1260 days so as we move into chapter 12, the narrative makes a shift that's different than anything that we have been looking at. These are kind of the central chapters in the sense that they give us a, a panorama. I mean, we've looked at the church age, the seven churches. We've looked at, you know, the seals. We've looked at the trumpets. Now we come to the seventh trumpet, which is taking us into the wrath of God, into the vials, which seem to wrap things up rather quickly. And, and God takes a breather. He steps back and he gives us this panorama and he says, this is the cast, you know, in this series you've been watching. Here's the cast. Here's the main characters and main players. And it kind of gives us everything that's going on behind the scenes from chapter Four, verse 1, where he said, I want to show you things that must come to pass, all the way through chapter 20 and the wrapping up of the end of the age going into eternity. He says, look, understand this is what's behind the scenes. This is what's been behind the scenes from the Garden of Eden up to 2021. You need to understand the forces that are at work behind everything to understand your present circumstances. The days that you and I are living in are described clearly in Scripture. And we can look at what's going on, we can watch the news, we can get ulcers, we can be bothered, we can get a bad attitude. The Lord says, take a deep breath, step back. Behind the scenes, this is actually what's going on, and it drives in the material world what you see and perceive. But everything that's reality is not what you see, taste, touch, smell in here. There is another reality beyond that. So he starts to lay out now in chapters 12, 13, then 14 will take us to the end of the age, the characters that are involved. Uh, as we go in here, there's a woman. But by the way, there's two wonders. This is the first time in the book of Revelation the word wonder is used. The first, one, the first wonder, he says, this great woman in the sky screaming. She's in transition and delivery. Then there's a great red dragon. Then there are the stars involved with that dragon. Then there's a male child 
that's caught up to heaven. Then we're going to meet Michael and his angels. Then we're going to meet, as we go forward, the Antichrist. We're going to meet the false prophet. There are all these characters that are kind of drug into the light. And the Lord said, understand the dynamics here. And if you can understand the dynamics here, you'll get a sense of what's going on in your life and in my life, in the days we're living in and through history. You'll get an idea of what was really going on behind the scenes. So it's really an interesting picture for us to look at. First thing he says, and there appeared a great wonder. Now look, and there appeared is hinging on the end of chapter 11 where he's taken his throne. He's going to reign. He's dealt with all this. This is a picture in heaven of the ark of his testament and so forth. Now he comes back to earth. He says, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. So the first person that comes before us, this wonder, is this woman crying in travail. Sun, the moon, 12 stars. Interpreting this woman and identifying her properly sets the stage for all the rest of human history and everything else that we're looking at here. So it's important for us to understand who she is. She is a wonder, which means a sign, a portent. It means something is being brought before you that you're to recognize and respond to. Not just a sign in the word sign, not just a wonder that makes you wonder. It's important. It speaks of something. We see this woman. Look, there are those who try to say that this woman is the church. Now, I believe, by the way, that the woman is Israel. That's the correct view. But, you know, those who don't, those who don't believe that Israel is reborn in the last days, those who don't believe what we're seeing around us, those who think that really the church is Israel, have a difficult time in this passage. This is one of the places they're tortured. The woman can't be the church because she gives birth to the male child, which everybody agrees is Jesus Christ, which is caught up to heaven. The church didn't give birth to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave birth to the church. He came, died, rose, and ascended before the church was born. Besides that, Paul said he wants to present the church before God as a chaste virgin. And if the church is going to be presented as a chaste virgin, she shouldn't be pregnant. It's not the church. It doesn't fit. You can torture it, but it isn't that. It doesn't fit at all. There are those then who try to say, well, this is Mary, the mother of, of our Lord. You know, this is Mary. She may be part of the picture, but it isn't Mary because this woman is driven into the wilderness where she's fed, protected from the Antichrist, and she's fed and taken care of for 1,260 days. That never happens to Mary. She's long gone. It's not that. I think the proper interpretation for us really in Genesis 37 is the only place in the Bible with a correlative 
view picture with a with a picture relative to this. I'll read it to you. You don't have to turn there. And it is from Joseph's dream. And it says this. It says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet more. He said to them, Hear, I pray you, this dream that I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood upright. Behold, your sheaves, they stood round about, and they fell down and made obeisance to my sheaf. You don't tell 11 brothers, 10 brothers that hate you this story by this, this dream. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more because of his dreams. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. They're thinking, great. And behold, the sun and the moon, and he says the 11 stars, because he's one of them, including him as the 12 stars, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father, Jacob, and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother literal mother Rachel, living mother Leah at this time, shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come and bow down ourselves before thee to the earth? Now, of course, that is exactly what will happen as his brothers sell him into slavery and he ends up in Egypt. He ends up to be the second most powerful man in the planet and they come down, end up bowing down to him as he feeds them and cares for them. Then they end up, the children of Israel come down into Egypt for 400 years where they're cared for. What it is, it's a picture of, as we look at this, Israel in the sense that Israel, it's a picture here of Jacob, the 12 tribes. Jacob, when he wrestles with God, his name is changed to Israel. His children, his 12 sons, are the children of Israel that the tribes come from. So this is a picture of Israel. Israel is the vehicle that God uses to bring his plan of salvation to fruition. It had begun long before that uh, in Genesis. Certainly, Adam and Eve sin, Satan is involved. It says, I will put enmity, God speaking to Satan, between thee and the woman, and between thy seed singular, the Antichrist, and her seed, singular, Jesus Christ. And it, her seed, shall crush thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It is a prophecy. There's nowhere in the Bible that speaks about the seed of a woman. In intimacy, it is always the seed of the man that's planted in the egg that brings forth life. Only time in the Bible you have the seed of a woman is addressing the fact there's going to be a virgin birth. And that seed of that woman is going to crush Satan's head and deal the fatal blow. From that prophecy onward, because God is speaking to Satan, there has been 
and endeavor to stop this process. Israel is the vehicle God chose to bring forth the promised Messiah through the lineage of Judah and of the house of David and so forth. But from the beginning, the enemy now wants to stop this process. We watch and we see Cain kill Abel. Abel comes with the lamb to sacrifice. Cain with his own works. And again, there's an attempt there. There's someone influencing things behind the scenes. We follow it to the days of Noah. We see the fallen angels mingling with women, trying to pollute the seed. Again, stop this. And Jesus in 1 Peter 3 will descend and make a proclamation to those angels that fell about his victory. We follow it along. We see as we come to, uh, you can make stops all along the way. Moses, in, in Egypt, Pharaoh is slaughtering all the male children, throwing them into the river. Satan is behind the scenes trying to stop this one seed from coming. You can follow that all the way along. Uh, in the days of Joash, Athaliah, who becomes the only queen of Israel, uh, is is wicked. And she, through the influence of Satan, is trying to kill the last part of David's lineage. And there's one male child left, Joash, and he will pass along the Messianic seed. And she tries to end his life. You, you know, then you follow it certainly through... Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes slaughtering the Jews. You find it with Haman who wants to kill all of the Jews in Persia. Satanic influence behind the scene. You come up to the days of Rome and Herod and Herod sends and slaughters all the male children in Bethlehem. You can look at all those things historically but the scripture saying understand behind the scenes there is a great spiritual contest that's taking place that drives the physical realm. And finally, certainly Satan, when he finally has Christ at the cross, thinks there's great victory. It tells us in Psalm 22 that around Christ, as he's dying on the cross, the great bulls of Bashan have gathered the fallen angels, their principalities and powers trying to stop this messianic scene. And, and it presents this woman clothed in Israel that has been, you know, you have ladies nine months gestation. She's been in gestation for thousands of years. She's living in expectancy to deliver for thousands of years. There are a number of places in the Old Testament when God challenging against people says you're like a woman in travail wanting to bring forth. You'll find Isaiah, you'll find it in Jeremiah, you'll find it in Micah in different places. And then finally here it says, understand, this is the deal. There's wonder in heaven, this great woman. And she's screaming, she's crying, she's in travail. There are no people on earth that have suffered longer and more cruelly than the Jews. There are no people that have been persecuted and slaughtered in greater wholesale than the Jews. Because Satan understands that through the Jewish people, 
God decided to bring the Messianic seed. Satan understands that Jerusalem is called the city of the great king. Satan understands that Jerusalem yet is to be the cup of trembling and the stumbling block of all nations. Satan wants to destroy Jerusalem so the great because it's called the city of the great king, so there's no place for the great king to come back to. That tension is still in the air today. You watch the news, you see what's going on around us. Look at our own country. Look at the hatred. Look at the division. Look at what's taking place. Satan is a murderer and a liar from the beginning. And he's causing all of the pain that we see today. And people unknowingly yield to his influences and listen to his lies and adopt his philosophies in, in human existence. Revelation saying, take a step back. Here's the panorama, and here's what's really going on behind the scenes. What an incredible picture it is, and she's pained to be delivered. Then the second wonder, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, blowing his mind, this other wonder. And he says, behold, that's imperative, you need to think about this, you need to look at this, a great red dragon. Now, you're going to hear this term dragon um, 11 times in chapters 12 and 13, and you'll also hear it in chapter 16 and chapter 20. 13 times in the book of Revelation, this great dragon is spoken of. How interesting. There is, behold, there is a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns on its heads. That will make an impression when you see a great dragon with seven horns and ten heads and so forth and the crowns. It says, His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered to devour her child as soon as it was born. So this dragon comes before us now. Uh, This is an easy one. Um, If you look in uh, chapter uh, 12 where we are, verse 9 says, um, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil... And Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So it, clearly, the the Lucifer, Satan, this is a picture of him, this great dragon bringing carnage all over the planet. And listen. He hates you and I, he, particularly as believers. He hates worship leaders. That was his job, and he's not happy he got fired. And uh, he, he hates what's going on in the world today. On your own, read Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 says, How art thou fallen, Lucifer, thou son of the morning? It says, You were lifted up with pride. You said, I'll be like the Most High. I'll sit on the sides of the north. I'll be involved in the congregation of the Lord and so forth that Lucifer coveted this position. Now, 
the only one who had that position, he said, I'll be like the Most High, was Adam. Adam was creating God's image and likeness. And Lucifer, though brilliant, a cherub, did not have the full capacity, as we don't, to comprehend all that God was, or he'd have never said, I'll be like the Most High. You and I were told in the ages to come, we'll still be learning of his grace and and his mercy. You and I are being conformed into an image that we will always be approaching and never arriving at because he's infinite and we're finite. We're on a remarkable journey. And Lucifer hates image bearers. That's what he was saying. I'll be like the Most High. Now you go a hundred years later to Ezekiel chapter 28, and the argument continues, and God states his five wills, I wills there. I will cast thee down, I will do this, and so forth. And he speaks directly to this cherub who was in charge of worship, and it describes him in all of his beauty with the carbuncles and the pearls and the gold and all that. It says, in Eden. You were in Eden, the garden of God. That's very important because there are people who teach Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, that the Bahu and Wahu there, that, that in God's initial creation, there was a rebellion of Satan, so it was destroyed and wasted, and God started over again. The New Testament says that sin entered in with Adam to humankind. And it tells us that Lucifer was in Eden in his unfallen state. He coveted man's position as an image bearer. He fell. The first thing he tempted Eve with, he said, you can be as God. That was what he fell with. So he hates humankind. He rejoices every time a human being dies that's lost and their blood runs into the ground, and they're cast out into eternity and darkness forever. He is fueling hatred in this world. He fuels war in this world. He fuels, he fuels racism in this world. He fuels abortion. All of the things that are wrong, that are fatal to humankind, that are breaking us down, that are dividing us, this book says behind the scenes there is a spiritual influence. It's destructive, and it's this great red dragon, and he hates us. I'm not worried because my dad can beat their dad, you know, <laughs> right? The evil one comes, he touches us not. We're, we're signed, sealed, and delivered. But there is influence, and particularly in the unsaved world. You look what's going on. This great dragon, it says, with his tail, he drew a third part of the stars of heaven. Now, you can read... Ezekiel, I mean, uh, Job 38, verse 7, that speaks about the stars that sang the angels. If you look in chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him, that star, it's a fallen angel there. If you look over here in verse 9 again, it says, The devil, Satan, deceives the whole world, He was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So clearly, Satan in his initial rebellion, Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
In his initial rebellion, he leads a third of the heavenly host with him in some delusion that they can have a place that God hasn't assigned to them. So there are principalities and powers all over the world today working behind the scenes. We're going to, as we move further into the chapter, we're going to see some more things about that that are remarkable. But this fallen prince, Lucifer, is out to destroy the woman, Israel, because from her, the seed, Messiah, who will destroy him, came forth. So, as you know, it's interesting. It says this is a beast with seven heads. Ten words. You go to Daniel chapter 7 and read that. Revelation simply tells us in chapter 17. It says in verse 3, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman, and she's sitting on a scarlet-colored beast, having the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Over further in chapter 17, and here is the mind that hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, who's the great whore. This is not the woman that we're looking at. And there are seven kings, five have fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. So seven kingdoms, seven mountains, not the seven hills of Rome, seven mountains that represent governments. As we follow the woman in chapter 12 who's persecuted, you know, as we, as we go through the process, we will see Pharaoh in Egypt throwing the male children into the water, trying to hold the children of Israel to bondage till the Passover night. Um, we see the Syrians after that with Ahasuerus wanting to destroy Israel. I'm sorry, that was, that was Medo-Persia. We see the Syrians with Shennacherib trying to destroy Israel. And then, of course, the miracle takes place outside the city of Jerusalem. Second Kings 19, verse 35. We see then Nebuchadnezzar destroying Jerusalem. We see the Medo-Persians and Haman and Esther, where Haman makes an edict to kill every Jew that's alive. There's something behind the scenes there. We move from the Medo-Persians to the Greeks. And, uh, of course, under Greece... You have Antiochus Epiphany arising, who slaughtered the Jews in Jerusalem, desecrated the temple. And then you have Rome come on the scene, of course, where you have Herod, Caesar, all of those things. So seven mountains, you see the hills. Six of them have been realized. One is yet to come. That's where the ten crowns are. The ten seven heads, but ten horns. We know in the last days there's some type of a ten nation, ten region confederacy somewhere on a horizon that's yet to be fulfilled. That's the last kingdom. That's the last beast, as it were, is yet to be. So this dragon, through the centuries, has tried to destroy this woman. This dragon is going to allow a false religious system to ride on his back until he destroys that. The Antichrist is the servant of the dragon. The dragon is Satan himself. So you follow that through the centuries and realize the world we're living in, there's always been hostility towards God's plan. There is today. Even today, Islam 
and Russia are camped on the front porch of Israel. There still is a desire to destroy the Jews. In our universities, on our campuses in America, in Europe, anti-Semitism is reviving and coming back to life. When you step back and you look at this picture, you realize all anti-Semitism is satanic. It's satanic. And there's no people that have been more persecuted and maligned for thousands of years than the Jews. Mark Twain, when he traveled through Israel, he made this observation. He said, speaking of the Jew, he called it, he could be vain in himself and not be ashamed of it, yet he could be excused of it. The Egyptian, the Babylonian, and the Persian arose and filled the planet with sound and splendor, then faded off to dream stuff and passed away. The Greek and the Roman followed and made a fast noise, but they are gone. Other peoples have sprung up and held the torch high for a time, but it burn out, and they sit in the twilight or have vanished. The Jew saw them all and is now what he always was, exhibiting no decadence, no infirmity of age, no weakening of his energies, no dulling of his alert and aggressive mind. All things are mortal but the Jew. Other forces pass away. He remains. And what is the secret of his immortality? Easy, Malachi. I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. God has a covenant with these people that still stands today. He goes on the further to say, so he waited for this child finally to be born. It tells us. And it was a male child. The male is doubled here, telling us a single, it's singular, it's the seed, brought forth a male child who was to rule all nations. The Greek is who is about to rule is shepherd. It's, it's an idea of governing, so it's not just feeding. It's also a larger picture. He said he wanted to devour this male child that is about to, that's where we live right now. Did you know that? You live in an about to. <laughs> this male child is about to rule all nations. Isn't that wonderful? What a day that's going to be, huh? He's about to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And it's going to be shepherding with a rod of iron. So there's a tenderness but an authority. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. It's so interesting. It, it introduces us to the male child. Doesn't talk about his physical ministry. Doesn't talk about his crucifixion. Doesn't talk about his resurrection. It goes right to his ascension. It goes right to his ascension. We're told in Luke, it says, And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. The book of Acts says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, he was received up out of their sight. Then, behold, two men stood there 
in white apparel, two angels saying, you men of Jerusalem, what are you standing around gawking up in the sky for? There's work to do, and this same Jesus is going to re- return in the same way. So it, it, there's this drama of the ages. It was set into motion from the beginning. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. In God's creation, Lucifer falls. His hatred is aimed at humankind. We're image bearers. He knows that so much better than we are, than we do. He knows this promise has been made generation after generation. He's trying to snuff out the Messianic line. He's trying to slaughter the Jews, slaughter their children. You watch it and watch it and watch it. And finally, Christ comes forward. He defeats him in the temptation in the wilderness. You see the enemy entering into Judas, doing these different things. And then finally, the whole crowd, influenced by the enemy, is screaming, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And then when Christ is on the cross, the great bulls of Bashan have surrounded him. The enemy finally thinks he's done his job for three days. (laughs) It just tells us he ascended in to heaven. Now, this is very interesting to me, and you're sitting here, so you're going to hear it. (laughs) Verse 6, where we're going to end, says, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. As we go through the rest of the chapter, we hear more about that. But between verse 5 and verse 6 is the church age. The end of verse 5 is he ascended. He went up to heaven. The beginning of verse 6 is the desolation of abomination. It's halfway through the great tribulation. Verse 6 speaks to us of what Jesus said in Matthew 24. He said, And when you see, therefore, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them who are in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take away his things out of the house. Neither let him which is in the field return not to take his clothes. Woe unto them who have small children are nursing in those days. Pray that your flight is not in winter or on the Sabbath. This is Jewish territory. And it says here that the woman fled into the wilderness, that's when the Antichrist seats himself on the throne. Chapter 11, the two prophets are killed, no doubt from their two dead bodies. Second Thessalonians, the Antichrist goes right in the temple, proclaims himself to be God. The Jews know they have been betrayed with this seven-year treaty from Daniel 9, and the ones that realize what's going on head into the wilderness. We'll talk about as we go forward, I believe, to Petra, my opinion. Um, Any of you been to Petra? Hey, brother, me and you. Uh, Anybody seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Okay, so you've been to Petra then. You know, you ride through that thing and it comes out that rock fortress, which is basically just the treasury. But Petra goes on and on and on. There were over 300,000 people living in Petra. It was wealthy. It was well defended. And today, because the Jordanians have opened it as a tourist site, there are a thousand Israelis every day that tour Petra. A thousand Jews a day go in there. 
and look through it and see it. And no doubt when this takes place and they flee to a place in the wilderness, that no doubt is the place in my mind. We'll talk about it. There's more verses. We only get to verse 6 today as we move onward. Okay, so we, we look at all this. Look, what do we do with this? Uh, I would say this. Don't get an ulcer when you watch the news. I'm preaching to myself, okay? I watch the news. I think this is madness. This is madness. How did the kindergarten take over the country? This is insane. This, there's hatred and division and waste. and you, you, This is crazy. Immorality is in a way I've never seen it before. And then I have to take a deep breath and say, okay, Lord, you got everything under control. But if somebody gets out of line and you need help, let me know. But you have everything. you've got everything under control, right? And then the Lord will say, yeah, the, the, Joe, there's this big conflict behind the scenes. But it also boils down, Joe, to your life. Now, Satan doesn't bother me. Again, he can only be at one place at one time. He's not omnipresent. He's no doubt bothering Putin or Netanyahu or the president. He's looking for the guy with a nuclear suitcase to have a bad day, so he just hits the button. You know, he's not bothering me. People say that. Satan made me do it. The devil made me do it. He did not. Okay? Don't flatter yourself. Uh, I bought a dozen donuts. I was going to share them, but I ate six of them. The devil made me do it. He did not. You're in the flesh. That's why you ate six donuts. But there's some buck private demon liar that's assigned to us, and they're ugly, and they smell. There is warfare. And you and I need to remember that behind the scenes, because we can get pushed to the edge of temptation, of anger, of lashing out, of saying something. You know, James talks about the tongue. He says the tongue comes in its own cage. And if you keep it in the cage, because once you let it out, you can't pull it back in again. And, and we can speak life and blessing to someone, or we can say something, you know, parents will say something to a kid that sticks with them for the rest of their life. There is warfare. We're to put on our armor. This huge picture boils down, you know, it filters down. It goes through the grid and it comes all the way down, simmering down to our lives. And we need to remember the Lord wants us to love one another. He wants us to forgive one another. He wants us to do things that are not natural to selfish human beings. So we're either going to do it through the power of his spirit or we're going to be animated by some other spirit. Right? I see some of the women hitting their husbands. I hope you're listening. Uh, we're in a battle. We're in a great war. Our dad can beat their dad. I'm not worried about, you know, the, the war is already won. I might lose a few battles along the way, but the war is over. It's won. Jesus Christ is victor. He's returning. Every, every mouth's going to confess. Every knee's going to bend. Every, every's going to bend that he's Jesus Christ, the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And he is that child who is about to rule the nations. 
That's where we're living, in the about. In the about too. And when somebody's really bothering you and, and you feel like, you know, there's warfare, just say, I'm in the about to. I'm in the about to. I'm in the about to. Remember, there's something about to take place that's way better than the aggravation and the agita you're getting right at that moment. Okay? Are we on the same page? All right. Have a victorious week. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these things as we look at them. Lord, what an interesting picture you bring before us. And Lord, we're not tuned in there. We're so taken with what we see in, Lord, uh, social media now. And we're, we're inundated with data and, Lord, with, with things on the, the horizontal that clog, Lord, every spiritual pathway in some ways that should be open to those things that are not seen. Lord, help us cultivate that, Lord. We, as we ingest, Lord, and try to digest what's going on around us in the world, and it's so easy for us to take one position or another, Lord, let us take your position, Lord. Let this truth of another world behind the scenes remain alive in our hearts. And we're so thankful you're about to come and rule all nations. We commit ourselves to you afresh, Lord. Fill us afresh with your spirit that no other spirit would ever have influence in our lives. Lord, we pray in your name. Amen.